everybody, you are listening to the Enlighten Me podcast. I'm your host, Mackenzie, and I'm so glad that you're here. In today's episode, I interviewed my new friend, Carly Gerard, who is the owner of St. May. If you haven't heard of St. May yet, that's probably because it's a newer company. Carly just opened up shop in November, but her business has been growing so fast. Carly and I met on Instagram, And let me just tell you, her page makes me want to get married all over again. It is stunning. You have to go look at it and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It also makes me want to move to Australia and start surfing and live right by those beautiful blue waters because, oh my gosh, it's just gorgeous. Seriously, do yourself a favor and go look at it. So, St. May is an ethically sourced jewelry company with a charitable heart. So many good things I love about that sentence. In this conversation, Carly educates us on what conflict diamonds really are. Have you heard the term conflict diamond before? Sound familiar? How many of you have seen blood diamond? Because that was pretty much the extent of my knowledge on what conflict diamonds are. Thank you, Leo DiCaprio. Carly's going to tell us about what the issues are with sourcing diamonds, such as the worker exploitation that takes place, the child labor, the violence, and even the devastation to our planet. These are some things I did not know about, but she's also gonna educate us on all the solutions there are to these issues. And believe me when I say there are so many solutions that we can be a part of. I know I say that every time, but it's really true. There are some simple solutions to these problems and her brand uses all of them. So even if you won't be in the market for a diamond ring anytime soon, chances are you probably know someone who is and could spread the message. And Carly will share that this is actually relevant to other types of jewelry too. So you probably need this information a little bit more than you actually realize. I loved getting to hear about how Carly built up her brand and her passion just for doing things right in an ethical and sustainable way. As you dive into this conversation, please be sure to visit iTunes and leave a rating or review for the podcast. It's super helpful for me and it allows other people to find the show, so I would appreciate it so much. I would also love it if you made sure you're following me over on Instagram or Facebook. I actually posted an announcement there recently, and if you're following me, you know what that is. If you don't, I'm going to share it at the end of the episode, so don't worry, you won't miss out. But do make sure you go follow me and follow Carly while you're at it because you're going to die over looking at her page. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Carly Gerard. Hey Carly, welcome to the podcast. Hi, so nice to meet you. Yes, you too. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Can you just start by introducing yourself to everyone? Sure. So I'm Carly. I am the owner of St. May's Fine Jewelry Line that we'll kind of get into a little bit about. I'm currently living in Australia with my husband for his job, but originally we're from the States, obviously. I don't have an Australian accent. Um, so we've moved around a bit, uh, originally from the East Coast, and then moved to California for a couple years, and we have been in Australia for the last couple. Okay, that's so cool. So you're from California, <laughs> so and now you're living in Australia, is that right? Yeah, well, so originally I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, and then we moved to oh. California for four years, and then we've been in Australia for the last basically two years. Okay, and then you're moving back to California soon, right? <laughs> yeah, we're a little bit of nomads. Yeah, <laughs> yep, we're moving back. We're moving back to like San Diego, San Diego, um, Orange County area in oh, June. Gosh. So we'll be back for good. Yeah. Oh, that's the best place ever. If I could afford it, I yeah. would live there. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit expensive, but yeah. worth it. Yeah. So, can I ask what your husband does then? 
takes you all over? Sure. He, most people think he's like in the military or something, but he's not. He works for a surf company um, and they just happen to be, their headquarters is in Australia. So when he signed on with them, it was just kind of part of the deal that he come and live here for a bit. So well, that's awesome. That's such a cool job. Have you have you enjoyed living in Australia? Yeah, it's been awesome. Great experience. We love to travel just in general. So it's been awesome to kind of yeah. be over here. And we actually both studied abroad in Australia before we even knew each other. So yeah, so it's just kind of cool to kind of be back here 10 years later um, living. So it's been yeah. it's been an adventure for sure. Yeah, that's so great. And what part of Australia are you in? We are in Western Australia, so it's a very remote little surf town outside of the biggest cities three hours away. It's called Perth, Um, and we're in this beautiful little wine region, though. It's called uh, Margaret River, and it's basically the Napa of Australia, so that's pretty cool. But yeah, it's a pretty remote little surf town, beach town. Yeah, okay, that sounds so cool. Okay, I had to ask because one of the interviews that I just released was with, her name's Gabby Goddard, and she's... You might have seen her on Instagram before. She's an actor and she is into ethical fashion. Like she kind of blogs about that and posts a lot about it. And so we talked about ethical fashion, but she's from Sydney. And so we spent like 15 minutes talking about Australia because I just had to know. So I've heard just (laughs) wonderful things. So I really hope to make it there someday. Sydney is absolutely amazing. We were just there for New Year's and got to do like the fireworks in the harbor over the bridge. And it's just such a cool area. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, that's so cool. Um, all right, so your husband works for the surf company, and you that's taken you a lot of cool places, and then you run your own business. So why don't you tell everybody what St. May is? Sure. So the short answer is we're an ethically sourced fine jewelry lined with a charitable heart. Basically, we create unique, ethical, and affordable pieces that are designed to make a positive impact on the world. So every, with every purchase, we donate 5% of each sale to the charity of the purchaser's choice. Mm-hmm. So we have a couple different charities that we work with. And we've just kind of made it our mission to create consciously and bring a little bit of more light to the industry because a lot of people just don't understand the dark side of the diamond industry, unfortunately. It's just not talked mm-hmm. about. And it's still very prevalent in the issues. So we're just kind of trying to bring a little bit more light to that and help the world however we can. We're eliminating the 8 to 10% markup that a lot of traditional jewelry companies have because we're not in the retail space. So okay. we're more direct to consumer, which is awesome. So we're, we are able to offer more affordable prices. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I was I was wondering about that just since it is ethical jewelry and normally like ethical fashion means like you're paying a little bit more. So I had wondered about that. So that's really cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so when did you start the business? So we've only just launched in November, um, which has been a pretty crazy – yeah, it's been a pretty crazy ride the last couple of months. Um, once we moved to Australia – my background is actually in graphic design. And we moved to Australia and I needed a job that I could kind of – be able to travel with my husband and do something I was super passionate about. So mm-hmm. I had time once we moved here to kind of really think through it. And um, yeah, it was kind of born. So it's been a wild ride basically since November. It's just kind of been a steady uphill thing, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been it's been wonderful so far. That's so cool. I mean, I don't know a ton about like marketing and, you know, how like growing a business, but just judging from your Instagram alone, it seems like you're very established. Like it seems like it's grown super fast. 
It has. And I think I had a little bit of, I had a little bit more insight into the industry because of my background. So I was able to do, I did our website myself. I did, I, it's just been easy for me to kind of bootleg everything because sure. I was able to do it myself. I didn't have to pay for somebody to do all of our branding to do our website. So I was able to really just run with it. So that's been awesome. And it's just, it's so amazing to work on something that you're so passionate about. So it's just been super fun. That's so cool. Okay. So that's what I want to know is how did you become interested in this? Like, were you always passionate about ethically sourced clothes or were you passionate about jewelry or where did that come from? Sure. So it really all started. I've always loved jewelry. It's just Whenever somebody asked, you know, what do you want for your birthday? What do you want for Christmas? It was just always, I just always loved jewelry. Mm-hmm. Um, and from kind of as far back as I can remember, I used to go, my, it's, my grandmother had amazing jewelry and I would go to her house and try things on. And it just was something that I always loved. So fast forward 20 some years and I was given my grandmother's jewelry when she passed. And a lot of it was so sentimental that I obviously kept it, but it wasn't necessarily my style at that point. So I was sitting in Australia and I was looking at all of these beautiful pieces that just, I wasn't wearing. They were just sitting in my jewelry box. And I was was kind of thinking like, this seems crazy to be wasting all of these amazing stones. So I found a manufacturer to take the stones out of the current pieces and I redesigned them. Um, So it started with just two or three pieces using those initial stones Mm -hmm. And I was just absolutely in love with the process. Like being a creative person, I think it was just an amazing outlet. Yeah. So I started with that and I just fell in love with the process. And I was a bride three years ago. Mm-hmm. And as my husband now and I were kind of like going through the process of looking at engagement rings, I just didn't feel like there was anything necessarily like unique out there. I, everybody had the same setting everybody had the same look and I just remember saying to him like I want something that feels like us that is like true to our story and that I'm not going to walk down the street and somebody's going to have the same ring as me yeah so I was in this position like I was that person and I was like okay so I'm kind of combining these two things and I'm thinking I'm like there's definitely a market for this because I was that person so yeah after the couple pieces were made I was like let's see if I can actually do this. So it just kind of spiraled out from there. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Okay. So you kind of started with the designs, like with your own ring then, is that right? Yeah, definitely. So I'd say before I even started the manufacturing process for St. May, it was, yeah, three years ago, my husband and I like looking through the different types of center stones. And back then it was more so like, if you wanted something different, it was a black diamond or something like that. And I didn't necessarily want that. I wanted it to still feel more traditional, but just with a design that felt more me and Mm -hmm. that someone wasn't just going to walk into a jewelry store on the street and be able to pick up the same piece. So that's definitely the mission behind St. May is, you know, creating pieces that people can be proud of to wear and people will stop them and be like, oh my God, where is that from? That's so, I've never seen anything like it. And that's, that's our biggest goal, I think, is to just create something that people are proud to wear and that just really feels uniquely them. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so cool that that led to you starting a business. Like, that's so, I mean, just interesting. I, <laughs> I feel like I have to tell you real quick. I, I should send you a picture later, but I can totally relate to you. We got married six years ago almost, and we 
I I was like I've always been someone that loves big jewelry, like love big earrings. I love really flashy jewelry, and you know, but I was like, there's no way my husband's gonna be able to afford like this huge diamond. Like, so that's not gonna happen. Just like forget about it. <laughs> and we got given three diamonds from family members because uh, my parents aren't married any longer, and so they gave me their diamond. And then my husband was very close. We, we, I call it his grandma just to make the story start, but basically he took care of this older woman that he knew that had no family, and so she left us her diamond and then um, his oh great-grandma's God. diamond. Yeah, and so it was like, okay, do we use all of these or, like, what should we do with these? Because it was, like, these three smaller diamonds that were really beautiful and obviously, like, they'd been given to us and I was – I'm all about reusing and and yep. two of the three di- – so one of them's pear-shaped and then the other two are just circular diamonds and they're the exact same size. Oh, my and gosh. So, Meant to be. I know. And so we got a design where the pear-shaped one is kind of in the middle and then the two circular diamonds are on either side of it so it forms, like, a perfect triangle. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah, and, you know, the triangle – is significant to us just because it kind of represents the trinity in that way and yeah it just has so much meaning and I'm like it's just so special to have something like you said that's just it's not like you know you can walk into any old jewelry store and someone can get the same thing like it has so much more meaning than that absolutely and I think a lot of people probably have those old pieces sitting in their jewelry box and they just don't know what to do with them they don't realize that you can use them and it's actually super cost beneficial to do that like you're not paying for that and you're not causing harm by having to mine new diamonds and all of it so the vintage stones are actually our favorite to use and like you said you get to keep the sentiment behind the pieces but create something that's just more fresh in design and feels more you so it's it really is a win-win yeah it's so cool I know yeah and the saving money part is huge I mean that was so helpful yeah so yeah that's so cool okay so you started with the designing and you thought like okay I could I could do this so how did that turn into St. May and and also I want to know where the name came from because it's so pretty oh thank you so the name actually came from my grandparents Mm -hmm. um so Saint is just kind of like an ode to in remembrance. Mm-hmm. And then my grandma's name was Marion and the other one was Eula. So I just took the M and the A and the E and there's Saint May. Oh, that's so I just, it like came to me, honestly. Yeah. Like, I think I was driving down the road and I was like, oh my God, that's so pretty. Yes. And then it just, ever since I heard it, it just stuck that there was no other name. It just felt right. So that's really cool. it's crazy how that happens. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> and so, okay. So it's obviously not a very old business, but it's been growing a lot. Are you the only employee right now? Yep. So it's just me right now. Okay. Um, I'm hoping once we're back in the States and I can kind of plant roots, like we're talking about whether we want to have a little storefront for people to come try things on so I have a feeling in the next couple months it will not just be me but we'll kind of see how that evolves yeah definitely oh that's so cool well I'm so excited to see where this business goes because it's just I haven't seen a lot of businesses that are doing something like what you're doing and it's such a cool mission and also your designs are gorgeous I've like I I can't remember how I found you but I've been following you for a little while and I've shown my husband a couple times and said, like, if you ever wanted to get me another diamond ring, this is what one I would like. And he's like, 
another ah. diamond ring is that a thing that people do <laughs> like you know i don't i don't know why but you know if you wanted to get me another diamond ring this is the one i would like well that's the cool thing that's the cool thing about our bands is we you can kind of change the story of your piece right. whenever you want so you have the engagement ring that you kind of keep as is but then you can add these stacking bands and really create something new which is super yes, cool i'm obsessed with the is it the moon dance ballerina band yes yes Oh yes. God. Yeah. That seems to be like the crowd favorite. Yeah, it, I swear cool. whatever ring you put with it, it just, it creates something magical. It's on, it's, it's pretty yeah, cool. It's so unique looking. I love it. It's so cool. Thanks. Okay. So switching gears a little bit. So I want to talk about obviously kind of the social problems that your business is addressing. And so was, Talking about conflict diamonds, was that something you were also always passionate about or is that something you learned more about just as your business grew or how did that become part of your mission? It was something that I've kind of just started learning about. Um, Just in general in my life, I'm more aware of sustainability and this whole fast fashion movement I absolutely despise and all of that. I just think the more documentaries you watch just in all aspects of your life, it kind of triggers other things to happen. So, you know, I'm more aware of what I'm putting on my body. I'm more aware of what I'm putting in my body, all of that kind of stuff. And I think that just lends to all areas of your life at some point, once you kind of become passionate about it. Um, So yeah, I think it wasn't until I really started doing research into the stones that I was purchasing for St. May that I realized how prevalent it was still in the industry. You know, we've all seen Blood Diamond, I'm sure, Mm -hmm. 10 years ago at this point. Um, So I think a lot of people thought it was over, but it's just not something that's talked about that often anymore. So it was just something that was important to me. It wasn't necessarily supposed to be part of the mission. And then once I started diving into sourcing stones, I was like, you know what, this is something that I think should just be transparent. I want people to understand that if they're buying with us, they are getting conflict-free, whether it's a diamond or a alternative stone. Like I want them to understand that they're sourced with responsibility in mind. And I just think the transparency is a big thing in understanding that it is still an issue. Yeah, for sure. I And I think that's really how I found your company. So I think it's really cool that you're able to kind of be in like these two spaces of like gorgeous jewelry and ethical shopping and you know like bring them together and it's not just like I don't know like one thing I was talking about with Gabby when I interviewed her was that ethical fashion doesn't mean like you know made out of like organic wheat yeah or something like absolutely yeah 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 to be like yeah you can still have beautiful pieces that are super unique um it's just really being cognizant about where you're buying your materials Um, and of course there's always more room for improvement in every aspect of these things it's all kind of a constant learning curve and you know we hope to do the best that we possibly can but there's always going to be room for improvement so it's just kind of being aware of these things and you know doing your best you're never going to be perfect but just kind of bringing this stuff to light and doing what you can to make a difference yeah for sure 
Okay, so you mentioned Blood Diamond, which is, I will admit, like the extent of my knowledge about conflict. Yeah, diamonds. most people. Yeah, <laughs> I bet you hear that a lot. Like, like Blood yeah. Diamond? Yeah. Um, so, you know, whether or not people have seen that movie, maybe assuming that there are some people that don't really know anything about conflict diamonds, can you tell us more about what that term means? Yeah, so there's two parts of it. So there's the Kimberly process, which was kind of established to prevent conflict diamonds from entering the mainstream market. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're like the regulatory system. So the definition according to them is that a rough, it's a rough diamond mined in an area controlled by rebel forces whose sale is used to finance anti-government military action. So basically it's a diamond that funds civil wars. Mm -hmm. Um, But the the key is that it's to finance those anti-government military actions. So The problem is that there's a lot of loopholes in that. So just because a company says, look, this is Kimberly Process certified, um, doesn't necessarily mean that there was no harm to the environment because there's a lot of other factors that just cause those loopholes. And we can kind of get into that a little bit more. But yeah, per the Kimberly Process, it's just it's a diamond that's used to finance anti-government military action. Gotcha. Okay, so... So I was looking at your website and saw kind of the breakdown of the different types of issues that can come from diamond mining. So one was civil wars and violence. So can you maybe first explain that point and and how just the simple, I mean, what seems to us like a simple act of, you know, harvesting stones can contribute to something so much bigger? Sure. So diamonds are just obviously a huge revenue source for a lot of different areas, Um, And a lot of them happen to be impoverished areas. So the problem is that in just the two, the past two decades alone, there's been seven African countries that have endured civil conflicts fueled by these diamonds. So like Sierra Leone, which is talked about often, Liberia, Mm -hmm. Angola, it is still very prevalent. So the diamonds intensify civil wars because they do finance these militaries and the rebel militias. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the rival groups are actually fighting with each other to control the diamond territory. So they want to be able to make money off of these areas, right? So right. the problem is that they're kind of all fighting with each other to gain control over these areas. And obviously that in turns to civil wars, there's lots of lives lost, there's human rights issues, there's child soldier issues, which was a huge passion of mine in college as well. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of issues that really do stem from it that people, like you said, people just think of the actual mining of the diamonds, but you have to think about what goes into the behind the scenes of that. Right. Yeah. And I think what, especially, well, I guess the movie Blood Diamond, if people did see it kind of showed that and, and especially the worker exploitation part of it. Yeah. Um, was huge. I mean, that was so shocking to me. So can you talk about that more too? Because I think what's interesting about worker exploitation in this industry is that it's so different than what, you know, we've talked about with like fast fashion. I mean, it's similar in that workers are being exploited, but for the most part, I think what I've had people talk about on the podcast thus far has been like factory conditions and stuff. Mm -hmm. And this one's a lot It looks a lot different than that. So can you talk about that? So there are definitely some similarities in that, you know, they're horribly underpaid. Um, Most Mm -hmm. are earning less than a dollar a day, which is just crazy. Um, And there's 
it's a very extreme condition. So there's not a lot of rules or regulations. Um, so a lot of it is very dangerous. They're not trained. There's not, there's lack of safety equipment. They don't have proper tools just in that sense. And then there's also the fact that a lot of it, there's a lot of children workers. So there was one survey of diamond miners in um, Angola that found that 46% of miners were actually between the ages of five and 16, which is mm. absolutely insane. Yeah. But it makes sense. You think, you know, children are such an easy source of cheap labor yeah. that they, it's easy for them. So that though, then in turn, you know, they're not educated and it's it, when they start that young in life, that becomes their life, unfortunately. So you know, they grow up without an education and that's kind of all they know. So then they're sucked into this for the rest of their life. So there's a lot of issues that it causes. But yeah, I mean, uh, there are definitely similarities with worker exploitation in factories as well with just the lack of regulation, I think is probably the biggest key to that. Yeah, definitely. And is it like the movie too, in that there in some cases, like, like you said child soldiers like children are being kidnapped I mean adults are being kidnapped and like is there forced labor going on here or like slave labor too you know I I can't say for certain I guess um Mm -hmm. but yeah I would assume that that would definitely be an issue like you said in the movies it's hard to tell what's kind of added and for a dramatic effect but I don't definitely don't think that that would be far-fetched by any means yeah absolutely (laughs) Yeah, it's so shocking. And then the other part of it that I really didn't know at all until I was reading on your website was about the environmental damage that can be caused from diamond mining. So what's going on there? I have to agree with you, actually, with this one. It was more surprising to me. I had heard about the child labor and I had heard about the civil wars and all of that. But for some reason, the environmental problems really are never talked about. So that was something that as I really started diving deeper into this, that I was also super surprised about. Um, But again, it just kind of goes back to the weak regulation of the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, it does cause a lot of environmental devastation. Um, It damages the land, it damages the water. Because of the lack of regulation, there's just, it's irresponsible mining, Um, It causes soil erosion and deforestation. And in some aspects, it has actually caused local communities to have to relocate because entire ecosystems can actually collapse um, because of all of the devastation. So it's just amazing to know all of this and for it to not be talked about. It's just absolutely crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. And the more you explain it, it's like, Okay, this is like a lot of, I mean, there are a lot of issues that are similar, like whether it's talking about, you know, harvesting cocoa or coffee beans or, um, you know, like even garment workers, like that kind of stuff where it's, it's because it's coming from countries where there just aren't enough regulations for the workers and exactly. the environment too, so that's just it's so shocking and one of the startling facts is for just one carat of a diamond so you I mean that's a pretty traditional size Mm -hmm. for an engagement ring in the United States that correlates exactly to about 1,750 tons of extracted earth just to find that tiny little diamond so it just you don't you don't realize how much actually goes into the diamond mining. Yeah. I mean, think about it. It's a treasure hunt. Like people right. are tearing up the earth to find these tiny little 
pieces of stone. Right. So yeah, I mean, they go through and just do what they need to do to find those diamonds, yeah. but they don't necessarily think about what then happens to the land that they're sure. Yeah, that's true. That's so crazy. Okay, so then I wanted to yeah. ask too, how and sorry if you said this already if you gave a percentage or something, but how like is this is this when we walk let's say we walk into like your most basic jewelry store like K jewelers or something, are the diamonds that we see there, is it like okay, yeah, all of those are probably conflict diamonds in some way. Like how prevalent are, are these types of diamonds that are causing damage to the earth or being harvested? you know, in really unethical ways? Like how common is that? You know, it's, it really is hard to say because companies just aren't transparent about where they're sourcing their diamonds. But on average, about $23 million worth of conflict diamonds are smuggled into the the United States um, that are entering the mass market. So it's still an insane amount of diamonds. What that percentage is per, I'm sure we could figure it out, but yeah, I mean, it's still very prevalent. But unfortunately, like I said, companies just aren't transparent about where they're sourcing their stones. So you're not going to walk in and they're going to be like, oh, just so you know, these are from a blood diamond territory. Yeah. Like, no, of course, nobody's going to buy that. Right. But the problem is that it it's just easier to get stones from those places because it hasn't been regulated in the past. So when you're looking for the whole point is to really understand who you're sourcing from. And really build like personal relationships with those companies so that you know, like you can have a diamond on your table and be like, oh, this is from Canada or wherever, wherever you're sourcing. But I think people are now understanding it more and they're, especially the consumers are now asking, you know, where are these from? Where are you sourcing these from? And people are just more interested in that. I think the more we talk about it. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So let me ask this. So are there any like, misconceptions that people have or misunderstandings when it comes to like shopping for diamonds that you think need to be addressed like anything that people just aren't getting so I kind of brought it up before but I think one of the big issues is again the current definition of a conflict diamond or a blood diamond is defined by the Kimberly process which just means the conflict diamond Mm -hmm. finances rebel movements against governments right The problem, though, is that this definition doesn't include the humanitarian impact or the negative environmental consequences. So just because something hasn't funded a civil war or anything like that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not causing damage to the earth. It's not causing damage to human rights. But they can still say it's a conflict-free diamond because of the Kimberley process. Mm -hmm. So there is still... like. Conflict-free is kind of getting tossed around a lot now, and all of these companies are kind of claiming that their diamonds are conflict-free and they're Kimberly certified, which is awesome, and it's a great step in the right direction. However, again, it it doesn't necessarily mean that people and the environment weren't harmed as well. So it's just something to be aware of. And again, I would take Kimberly certified over anything not any day, but it, there's just some other factors to be considered as well. All right. Well, that's really good to know. And that kind of leads perfectly into us talking more about like the solution and how we can be more conscious shoppers. And obviously diamonds aren't something that people are buying every day. But like you said, it's something where this message needs to be spread because people, you know, most people are buying a diamond ring in their lifetime at some point And 
if not more than one, you know, and so it's really something that if we can, I feel like spread this message around, then we can have a huge impact. So absolutely. um, Yeah. Okay. So there are alternatives to conflict diamonds. And you talked about some of them a little bit. But can you explain, you know, it's not it's not even just looking for conflict-free, although that is one of the options. But what are the different options that you guys give for people to avoid buying a, con- or a blood diamond or a conflict diamond? So the amazing thing is now there are an insane amount of options to choose from, which is the best news. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, ha- you can have you can source conflict-free diamonds, obviously. You can use vintage like we talked about. So if you have old pieces laying around, we can take those right out of your old setting and reuse those, which is one of my favorite options just because, again, you get to keep the sentiment behind it. Yeah. Um, there's also now lab-grown alternatives. Like you can actually buy lab-grown diamonds that are, if they're graded, with a diamond tester, they are the exact same thing as a traditional earth mine diamond, but they are grown in a lab, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. And then there's alternative stones. You know, a lot of people are choosing to use sapphires or moissanite, which is one of my other favorite options. So people are definitely moving away less and less from, or they're moving away more from using diamonds. Mm-hmm. Not only because of the conflict diamond, but just because of the price. People don't want to spend as much on, you know, a huge center stone anymore. And it's, I, you know, I'm, I'm all for the colored stone option. Um, you, there's some amazing stones out there that you can use. And again, it goes back to creating something that's uniquely you. I think people are moving away from just getting a diamond ring because that's what's tradition. And people are just kind of staying true to them. And what you, you know, it's something you wear on your finger every day for the rest of your life. So yeah. you want it to feel like you. If a lot, a lot of people don't really care about diamonds, to be honest. And they'll be like, you know what, mm-hmm. to spend that much money on something that I don't really love like let's do something that I do love and let's use a different stone so there's tons of options out there it's just a matter of your personal style I think yeah for sure that's so cool that there are so many different options and I want to ask a little bit more about them like let me start with the alternative options so the okay how do you say it moissanite moissanite yes Okay, so what's funny is I'd seen that on your Instagram and I was like, that just must be another type of diamond because it looks the same, I feel like. Am I wrong? No, it's... They look really similar. It's unbelievable and it is one of my favorite options and a lot of brides actually have been jumping on board. Um, So the cool thing is Moissanite is also lab created. It was at one point from the earth. Um, it's just super hard to find. So they took the materials and actually can now create it in a lab. So there's very minimal environmental or personal harm, which is amazing. But the really big factor is the value and it's insanely less expensive per carat than almost any other, even, even gemstone on the market. So clients can, you know, have, if they want that big center stone, they can get it at a fraction of the cost. And yeah, I mean, as far as looks, um, it looks almost identical to a diamond. It has a little bit more fire, like the actual color spectrum than a diamond would. Some people love that and some people don't like it. So it's just kind of a personal preference. Right. But that's really the only like to the eye difference. Um, and the cool thing is that Moissanite is a 9.25 on the hardness scale out of 10. Um, so it is 
right up there with a diamond as far as durability. So you can wear it every day. It's not going to chip. It's not going to wear out on you like a cubic zirconium. That's the problem with those is, you know, they scratch and they just end up looking like crap very quickly. Um, so Moissanite yeah. is just such an awesome option. Um, and I'm so excited that, you know, our brides are jumping on the bandwagon. They love it. Yeah, that's so cool. Well, and I really like that there's like, you know, if you didn't want to buy a traditional diamond, like there are alternatives that look exactly like diamonds and no one would ever know that it's not. But then you can also be creative and do something different. Like I've, I have friends that have like an opal stone and it's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of brides are actually choosing colored stones. Mm -hmm. I think they're just like I said, everyone's just kind of moving away from just doing things because it's tradition. Yeah. And because of the insane cost of diamonds, people are like, you know, that's just not my thing. And I love it. So yeah, you can use, I mean, there's an insane amount of options. It's just a matter of if you like a certain color, or if you like a certain shape and kind of all that. So it's super fun to be able to kind of dive into that and really create something. Like I said, is you're not just going to walk into a jewelry store and find that you can feel like oh my God, this was made for me. And it just feels, it just feels like me. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And then I want to ask about the lab grown too, because I will say that the first time I heard of this, um, I didn't hear about it until more recently, but I was like, that sounds weird. Like I, I feel like I wouldn't (laughs) think that that's still a diamond, if that makes sense. Like I would be like, well, I know diamond then. Right. Like, but it is, it it is. I mean, yeah, I, science is pretty crazy. You can literally take the exact makeup of a diamond and now grow it in a lab. So it is, there's machines that you can use that test any stone to tell you if it's a real diamond, if it's a real sapphire, or if it's a ruby, whatever. Um, and yeah, if they're tested, they are, they're diamonds. So right. it's a really cool option um, if you are set on having a diamond, but want to kind of keep it more sustainable and socially conscious um it's a great option right and and to me it's kind of like after you think about it it's it's sort of like if you bought this is like a really dumb comparison but it's helping me to understand it more (laughs) but like it's sort of like if you bought seeds for a plant at the store and then grew it at your house and like okay it's still a plant even though it didn't grow outside and then you cut it down like it's still absolutely yeah does that make that's a great comparison okay yeah no I think that I think that makes perfect sense actually yeah okay cool yeah so that's that's funny so I was wondering do do you have any like is it ever hard for you to sell the lab-grown diamonds to people like does anybody have that stereotype of like that sounds weird like or was that just me um I you know I'd say moissanate is more common than the lab grown so far at least and it might be more so the price point because lab diamonds are they're still diamonds so you're still paying the diamond fee so it might just be that price point differentiation so I definitely say moissanite has been more popular for us but like I said some people are just like oh moissanite's not a diamond and I want a diamond so it's just it really is just personal preference yeah definitely And then, well, oh, I did want to tell you, you might have heard of this company before, but I just, and I can't even remember the name, but I'll figure it out before we're done talking. But (laughs) I just listened to this podcast episode where they were interviewing a woman that runs a company with with someone else and they make diamonds. So they do lab-grown diamonds, but it's specifically out of people's ashes. 
So, like, if you wanted to memorialize your loved one or even, like, a pet or something and they were cremated, they can grow the diamond out of their ashes because of, wow. like, whatever chemi- like, whatever carbon or whatever goes into a diamond growing, they can get it from ashes. And so it's, like, you know, a cooler way to memorialize someone than just, like, having them on your fireplace or something like that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but... I don't know. I thought that was so crazy. So that's absolutely bizarre that you just told me that because yesterday I had an inquiry for a ring using their pet's ashes. I'm not even kidding. Really? Yes. So and I said to I was talking to my husband about it and I was like, I don't even think that's a thing. Like, I don't like, would you just put it into the gold? Like, how would you? I've never had that request before. So I can't even believe that you just said that. Yes. Okay. Okay. I found it. So have you heard of the Going Scared podcast before? No. Okay. I talk about it too much on this show, but, but, um, okay. Have you heard of Noonday Collection before? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So it is the founder, Jessica Honiger. It's her like personal podcast that she does. Um, it's called Going Scared and it's like, she interviews like business people and whatnot. And it's kind of about like getting people to like pursue their dreams basically and to do it afraid and you know don't hold back cool. and um and so she interviews a lot of people that have started their own businesses and so this lady's name is Adele Archer and she's the co-founder of Etern uh oh man I forgot how to pronounce it but it's Eterneva or something like kind of like eternity but Eterneva so you'll have to look it up and see what they oh say. I absolutely will yeah yeah so that's, that's so funny what they do. and and they would say they're not necessarily like in the jewelry industry they wouldn't say they're in the um grief like loss wow. industry but like they that's kind of their mission is they want to help people with their losses and they're they kind of like counsel people through that um, so it's really cool, but then they just found a cool way to memorialize people. But yeah, so I cannot. I like to. Um, you know how like the universe works in very mysterious ways. Yeah. Like the fact that I literally yesterday got an email about this, and you just brought that up. I'm like, my mind is blown. <laughs> that's so cool. I'm so glad I told you that. I can't even believe it. Yeah, that's so cool because I mean, like, it's that's such a meaningful thing to do and I mean maybe you'll be able to help this person so that's really cool I know imagine if I can if this actually materializes and we use a stone from them like it will all go back to you <laughs> well shucks I mean no, you don't have to say that but <laughs> no that's so cool that's yeah, unbelievable. let me know what happens with that if it if you're able to find a way I will so cool. I definitely will Okay. That's awesome. All right. So I do have a lot more questions about like your business and how you guys do things, but I did want to ask, like talking about these alternative options, one of my questions was, is this feasible for everybody? Like, do you think it's reasonable to say like, if you're in the market for an engagement ring or for, you know, whatever kind of ring, like you could do an alternative where, you know, it's either an alternative stone or lab grown diamond or, you know, a vintage option instead, like, or, or, you know, buying, buying from a traditional jewelry store, but making sure it's conflict free. Like, is that reasonable for everyone? Is that reasonable to ask of everyone, I guess? I, th- I really think it is because like you said, all you have to do is ask people might not have the answers for you. But for me, I think the huge benefit of all of this is just that having that knowledge really allows you to make 
better decisions, right? So sure. con- consumer demand really drives the production of the products that we're buying. If people aren't asking for things, people are, aren't going to be making them. So I think if consu- as a consumer, you're being as open to kind of getting that knowledge and in turn making different decisions, that's going to have a direct impact on the market and that's going to have a direct impact on how things are made. So if people are choosing to shop smarter and just make better decisions, companies are going to have to listen. So mm-hmm. it we really do have the power to make a change for, from all of this. So it's just making those educational decisions and asking those questions. And if there's, I mean, it can all be done. So even if you want a more traditional ring, there's no reason that you can't say, like, can you tell me that this is ethically sourced and just ask those questions. So I definitely think as long as you have the knowledge, you can ask the right questions. Yeah, absolutely. And and like you, you've already said that there are like when we're talking about financially, because that, that for a lot of people, that's the biggest thing they're thinking about when they think of buying a, a diamond ring. And there are definitely more financially feasible options for people than just buying a regular diamond ring. And, you know, whether, you know, even if you still wanted a diamond, like, you know, just the traditional diamond, like there are used diamonds that you can buy and then get your own setting made or whatever. And a hundred percent. I just feel like, yeah, that's the cool part. It's actually more economically friendly. (laughs) So it really is. I mean, there is no downside for doing it this way. Like I said, the problem is people just don't know anything about this. Sure. Um, They just haven't been told anything so it's it's at no fault to them um it's just not something that's talked about a lot and that's why we try and just kind of without banging our heads against the wall like we just want people to make be able to make the decisions on their own so if we provide the information and they still choose not to that's fine but at least they have the knowledge to make those decisions themselves sure well and i feel like there probably aren't going to be that many people who would hear about you know, okay, like when you buy a conflict diamond, like you are supporting child slavery and like, I mean, just violence in third world countries and, you know, our planet's devastation, like, and then would still choose to, to go with that option when it's just as affordable and, you know, in some ways just as easy to, to go with a different option. So I I agree with you. It's It's not like you're asking necessarily for people to pay a lot more or do something that's really inconvenient to get some kind of different diamond like there are just such easy steps you could take to do it exactly and that's why we just we want to put that information out there for people and if again if they choose not to then that's totally up to them but if as long as we can put the information out there for them to make those educational decisions like that's all we can do so yeah definitely all of them actually okay Okay, I thought so. All right. So and then I guess I'll ask this too. Do you have any advice for consumers? Like, you know, let's say they did still want to go with like a traditional jewelry experience, like go to the typical jewelry store. How can they still make sure that they're shopping ethically? Like, do they ask, you know, can you show us your conflict? free diamonds or or how do they go about that yeah I think you exactly just said it like just ask as long as you can go in and say hey I'm looking to purchase a conflict free diamond as long as they can provide you with that that's fine but just choose to support businesses who are transparent about 
everything and just choose to support ethically and produce as sustainably as possible. Just, I think as long as you ask, you're doing your due diligence. Sure. Well, and now, I mean, with online, like, I totally get someone maybe wanting to like go sit down in a jewelry store and have that experience. But at the same time, like there are so many awesome businesses to support like yours that, you know, make it very easy to know what you're getting yourself into. So Absolutely. I would say just buy from you, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you have nothing else, just ask. So. Yeah, absolutely. And then I did want to ask you too, is this specifically for diamonds or is there other stones too, or, you know, whatever other types of jewelry that people need to be thinking about these issues with? Yeah, I think it really does go into alternative stones as well. And you'll see, again, that it, more companies are trying to be transparent about things now. So you'll see like a sapphire that says ethically sourced or kind of all of that. So it definitely goes into other stones as well. And it also goes into gold, which a lot of people don't realize. Um, gold mining has a history of civil war and labor issues and environmental environmental issues as well. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are actually choosing to recycle their gold. So if you have an old setting, again, you can take the stones out, but you can a lot of times you can actually melt down the gold as well and reuse that. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely other aspects of jewelry that neg- negatively impact the world as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think for the most part, it's definitely diamonds, but it definitely goes into other parts of the industry as well. Okay. That's good to know. I mean, that's very good to be aware of because maybe you wouldn't think like, oh, and I should also think about where the setting is coming from. But that's very true. Yeah. Okay. So I want to know more about St. May specifically. So how do you make sure that your diamonds are, you know, since you're kind of the in-between person of like, you're actually on the manufacturing side or whatever you would call it, the manufacturing side, but you're, how do you make sure that you're getting diamonds from you know, diamonds that have been ethically sourced? So I think it's really all about creating personal relationships with the people you're sourcing from. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of people luckily are now becoming, again, more transparent about where things are coming from. And they'll come with like little cards that say, oh, this was sourced in Canada or this was lab grown or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really just about finding the people who's passionate about it as well. And they're, they're transparent about where they're sourcing from. So we use a lot of people that source from Canada. We use people, I have a girl that I work with in Australia who sources absolutely beautiful, like unique stones. So more of the alternative stones. So yeah, it's just getting kind of out there and putting it out into the world that that's something that's important to you. And again, asking questions, just making sure that they know that that's important to you and that you're only sourcing things that are ethically sourced. And then again, if you use vintage stones, it just really depends on the actual stone you're using. Um, Vintage is obviously very easy to know. Um, So yeah, it's just a matter of making it known that you're sourcing ethically. And at this point, luckily, we have a couple vendors kind of in our pocket that we go to consistently. So just mm-hmm. creating those relationships and sure. it gets easier as the more you do it, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think that's one of the benefits of supporting a small business like yours too, is you can ask those questions and like exactly. you have personal relationships, whereas like a huge diamond corporation, there's probably not a lot of personal relationships going on there. So a hundred percent. Yeah. And then I know you also talk about sustainability as being important to you, obviously, 
you know, the focus on the planet with diamonds. How else do you focus on that just with your business? So I have to be honest, this is probably where we have the most room for improvement. Um, like I said, it's kind of all a journey. And yeah, but yeah, we try and use recycled gold whenever we can. Um, our packaging, we really try and minimize. Um, we use biodegradable shipping bags when we can. And then one of the charities that we'll kind of get to at some point um, is we donate to 1% for the planet um, and charity water, which both obviously relate to the earth and providing as much support as we can in that regard. So yeah, just kind of trying to be cognizant about what we're using and the materials we're using and not just, I think more so in the packaging, not just packaging stuff. Like when you get packages in the mail, it's unbelievable how much plastic and paper and it's just so unnecessary. So I think that's something we have a direct control over. Um, So even just small things like that, we try and just be aware of. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Those small things add up to a big thing. So I think that's cool. And I did want to ask too, with like the vintage diamonds. So is that something that you guys supply yourselves or like you know, if, if someone had like a diamond from their grandma that they wanted to use, could they send that to you and you guys take it and, you know, put it in a different setting or how does that work? Yeah. So typically that's the, the latter is the case um, because of the sentiment behind pieces. So typically somebody sure. will be like, oh, my mom passed this down to me. My grandma passed this down to me, whatever. And it's been sitting and I'd like to reuse the stone. So yeah, they'll just mail us those pieces and we can remove the stones out of them. And then we kind of design from there. Okay, cool. And if they, what if they didn't have that, but they, or they said like, I wanted my band to be made out of recycled gold, but they didn't have the materials. Is that something that you guys will like look for and then supply if they want it? Or is it something the consumer has to, or the customer has to supply themselves? To be honest, we really try and work with everybody's requests. Um, Yeah. We can't, guarantee obviously but sure yeah if someone's like I want to use recycled gold then you know we'll try and find it for them so we're kind of here to work with them however possible and to make the process as easy as possible and just the fact that people are being cognizant about these things like like I said we try and do whatever we can to like make these things happen so we're we're really here to help yeah sure yeah that's really cool all right. I well, okay. I you mentioned the charities that you give back to, and I would love it if you would give them a shout out and just talk about maybe like how you pick them and what they do. And I think that's really cool that you guys give back because I mean, obviously you're doing so much already. It's not like you have to give back, but it's really cool that you do and that the customer gets to pick, you know, which which charity they want to give to. So. Do you want to just talk about those for a minute? Sure. So like I said, every purchase, um, 5% is donated back to the charity of the purchaser's choice. Um, so right now we have Charity Water, One Girl, and 1% for the Planet. And we tried to pick charities that were related to the industry and the things that the jewelry industry hurts. Yeah. So that's kind of how those were selected. And then... We actually had an amazing opportunity last month to work with Creighton Barrel and Val to end child marriage, which is a charity. Um, So we're kind Mm -hmm. of in the midst of talking to Val to see kind of how we can partner with them and hopefully provide them as an option as well. Um, 
it was just kind of a perfect alignment of, you know, they're in the wedding industry. And so we'd love to be able to kind of work with them a bit more. So yeah, it's, we wanted to give the consumer an option so that it felt like they were really choosing the power was in their hands. Um, and you know, maybe they have a direct connection to one of those charities, whether it's water or whatever, that they want to feel like they're giving back to. So I, it was actually my husband's idea to let them have a choice, which I just thought was, yeah. once he said that, I was like, oh yeah, that's amazing. Like, why wouldn't we give them the option? So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's been really cool. So it's definitely something I'm super passionate about. I love that. That's so great. Okay. And then, so with the jewelry, do you guys, or I shouldn't say you guys, but it's probably mostly you, do you, do you come up with the designs all by yourself or how do you do that? Yeah. So that's actually my favorite part. Um, again, with my creative background, it's just, it's something that really fuels me. So it's super fun to do the custom work and it's definitely actually my favorite. Um, so a client will come to me and it typically starts with, uh, online consultation where we do like a video call. So we get to meet each other. Um, and we talked through the process, like their design ideas, if they have any ideas at all, or if they want to kind of lean on us to come up with something. Um, if they have stones that they want to use, we kind of talk through those. And then once I get an idea kind of what they're after, I create digital renderings for them to choose from. So it'll give them some design ideas Mm -hmm. um and then from there they choose which direction they like and we can kind of fine-tune things until they love every detail of it um and then once the design is approved we send it into our manufacturer and they do the cads for us which is like the computer renderings yeah um and then you get to actually see what the ring will look like which is awesome and once that's approved, it goes into production. So it's it's a really fun and intimate process. And it's definitely, like I said, it's our favorite thing to do. Just to be able to meet somebody and like take their visions and create something that they get to wear every day is like just the coolest thing yeah. ever. Yeah. So it's super, super fun. And you honestly, it's really cool. You get to like, I had a guy this week who we did a ring for and he proposed and he texted me on Monday and was like, I popped the question and he sent me a picture. And it was like, before he had posted it on social media, like I honestly feel like when I work with these couples that like, they're my friends. <laughs> so like, I'll yeah. get, I'll get these pictures back. I'm like crying. I'm like, I don't even know these people, but you like work so closely with them. And it's just such a intimate process that it's just amazing. It's really, really cool. Mm, that's so sweet. I love that. <laughs> That's really cool. Well, you're very talented because yeah, your designs are just beautiful and Thank you. Yeah, it's they're gorgeous. I love I love looking at your feed and <laughs> dreaming about buying more diamonds. <laughs> So have you had like, I mean, surely you've had challenges in starting a business. Um, what have been some of the challenges for you? Like, have there been any challenges about just overcoming like maybe stereotypes that people have about buying ethical diamonds or I don't know, not buying from large corporations? Like what have been some challenges for you? I'd say the ethical part has actually been the easiest because like we were talking about before, once you kind of put that information in front of people, like it's a pretty easy thing to be like, oh yeah, like that makes sense. Um, But I'd say that there's, especially just on Instagram in general, no matter what market you're in, it's really hard to kind of stand out with all the noise that's going on. So I think 
that in general is just a challenge every day. Um, and being okay with like repelling people. I know some of the things we post, people are going to be like, what is she talking about? Like this, I don't, I don't care. And that's totally okay because those aren't the people I want to be working with. Like when you repel people, you then really attract the people that love it and they love it hard and right. they are passionate about it. And those are the people we want to be working with. So kind of understanding like you're not going to please everybody. And that's a good thing. Like yeah. you want, you want to kind of have that niche. Um, and then I'd say it's also been a little bit difficult with the Australia thing because people tend to people don't really know where we are and when you're spending that amount of money you want to understand where it's coming from and that's why we love to do the video consults so we can really meet you and get to know you um so I think understand understanding that we are based in Australia but we're more so from California that's been a little bit tricky once I explain it to people obviously they're like oh okay that's cool but that has definitely yeah. come up in a, almost every conversation. So I'm excited to be back in California to kind of have more roots and have a place where people can like actually try things on because also with it being solely digital right now, you know, again, for someone to spend that amount of money without trying it on is tough. Like people want to have it on their fingers. They want to feel it. Jewelry is just a very tactile thing. So that's yeah. definitely been a pain point as well, uh, which is why – we're trying to do as many events as we can until we kind of have a place where people can come try things on. So just kind of getting around those little obstacles has definitely been challenging, but it's been fun. And it it makes you think, it makes you try and think out of the box a little bit. Like that's kind of moved into us trying to create like a home try on kit. And it's like, it makes you think out of the ordinary to like solve these problems, which is I think pretty cool because I wouldn't have done that otherwise. So it's sure. all in how you kind of spin it, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Well, and um, you've talked about like educating people and how that's really the first step because then once they learn about it, then they're on board or it's easier to get them on board. So how how are you working to educate people? Like, is it mostly through your marketing, like with Instagram or how, how do you feel like you spread that message of, hey, here's what you need to know about the diamond industry? I think mostly just in our marketing language. Um, mm-hmm. Social is just a big place for us right now. So it's luckily it's easy to get to a lot of people on social, which is amazing. So your message gets to be seen by people that would have never heard of you. Yeah. But yeah, just trying to, again, go to like as many events as possible and do like pop-ups so that you can speak to people in person is pretty cool. Um yeah, mostly though on social, I'd say. Okay, yeah, that's cool. And would you, what would you say for, um, this one's a curveball I'm throwing at you, but what would you say for people that are listening and like maybe they care about this topic, but they don't, you know, run a jewelry company? Like how would you recommend that they educate the people around them? I think the more research you do personally, like – Google has an insane amount of information now. So if there's anything that you're passionate about that you want to learn more about, just look it up. There's always resources, there's podcasts. And then the more knowledge that you have, the easier it is to speak about, obviously. So again, once you have the knowledge, like start tagging people in posts. And like a lot of times I'll post something on social and I'll have people comment like, oh, this is what I was just telling you about. So then they're able to 
share it with a friend and they're able to read it and then they can go to our website and learn more. So it's all about just kind of staying connected and sharing it with the people that you love, which I think is super cool. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Well, so is there anything, I mean, you guys are moving soon, so that's huge, but is there anything else exciting going on just for your brand or any projects that you're working on right now? We're definitely trying to do the home try-on kit. Um, Like I just mentioned, I think that will be an amazing thing for people to be able to just jump online. And if they're kind of in between a couple things, like they can order them, have them sent to their door, try things on and actually see them. So I think that will be amazing if we can make that happen. Yeah. Um, And then we did, like I said, we just got to partner with Crate and Barrel. Um, So we spent three weeks in California last month, which was amazing. So I got to meet, it was like a registry event at their location in Beverly Hills. And they partnered with Val and every Crate and Barrel donated a percentage for every person that came to the event, which was amazing. Um, So just like meeting people in general and like really spreading the awareness about everything. I think it's just, it's so cool to see how it like kind of starts to spiral out the more you're in it, which is, it's just amazing to see. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's really cool that you got to partner with such like a huge company. Like that's. Yeah, it was honestly, it was, it was amazing. It was so cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Good for you. (laughs) All right. What if you could pick one thing you'd want to leave listeners with? What would be the main message you have for them? So I would say that the US actually accounts for about 50% of diamond jewelry sales. So like I was saying before, we actually hold the power to make a serious change in the industry. Mm Like consumers fully drive the demand. If you're not, if you're not going, if you're making sure that you're asking the right questions, people are manufacturers, companies, they're going to have to listen eventually. If you're not shopping with them, they have to make a change. So you actually get to vote with your dollars, which I just think is amazing. So just choosing to support businesses who source ethically and produce as sustainably as possible, like know where your products are coming for and a big thing for us is choosing quality over quantity. Like I mentioned before, um, this fast fashion movement, I just think it's destroying everything. Mm-hmm. So just choose the over, it's just everything's over consumption at this point. So just choose quality over quantity and just know that you have the power to change the industry, which I think is a huge, amazing thing when you start to think about that. Like if you're not spending money with a company, they are forced to make a change. So you really do hold the control for all of this, which is just kind of mind boggling when you think about it. That's a great message to leave people with. I think that's so true in so many areas in life that we have more power than we realize we do. Yeah. This is, it's such a cool, like, it's such a cool way to make a difference by like, you know, supporting a company like yours versus, you know, some big corporation or whatever, like just, places where you don't know where what you're gonna wear the rest of your life is coming from like I feel like that's something you do want to know when you think about it so yeah and I think our generation is really kind of jumping on board with that and they're just in general in all aspects of life like people want to know where their food is coming from now people want to know what's in their beauty products people want to like that transparency is being sought after right now so I think it's pretty cool that we're kind of getting away from these massive corporations. Like who wants to go to a jewelry store where you're just another face? Like you want to have that personal relationship with somebody and it's just such a more intimate experience and it's just so much more enjoyable. Yes, absolutely. All right. So 
I have some fun questions for you that I want to ask. I think I love asking these questions because like at this point in the interview, like people have gotten to know you and obviously you're doing amazing things. And I just can't get over the fact that your business just started in November. That's just so crazy to me. So I can't cool. either. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. Okay. So, you know, maybe it's business related or maybe it's more personal, like about life, but what's some good advice you've gotten recently? I'd say there's a couple things. So it sounds cheesy at first, but the fact that there really are no failures, like we've owning your own business, there's undoubtedly there's going to be bumps in the road, right? So it's how you kind of pivot to change how you're doing things to prevent it from happening again, I think is it's always a lesson to learn. So instead of thinking of it, oh, is I really fucked up or like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, it's just how you choose to react to it and change for the future, which I think is, it's all a lesson. So why not just learn from it and pivot from it and decide to do things differently moving forward? So everything that happens, we take as a lesson. And then I think the biggest thing also is I get so many questions about like, oh, how did you how did you start this? Like I have this passion and I want to create a clothing line, but like, I don't even know where to start. And I have to say like, some, I was listening to a podcast and they were like, you have to understand that nobody has any idea what they're doing. Everybody is figuring out as they go. Like it's all in how you like, again, react to this, the circumstances and all of that kind of stuff. So I think that like, once I realized that, like all the people that you look up to at one point, they had no idea what they were doing either. So just kind of, if, you feel a calling to do something, do it. And if it doesn't work out the way you expected, most likely it won't, then fine. You learn from it, you grow from it, and you figure it out. But just thinking, like, understanding that really everybody's figuring it out as they go, I think makes everything seem a little bit less scary. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I, that's kind of, that's kind of like the heart behind that podcast I was mentioning, the Going Scared podcast. And that's honestly the same advice that someone gave me when I was getting started with this. They were like, it's never going to be like exactly what, because I, I was like, okay, once I get this done, then I can start, or once I get this. Like, exactly. And it's like, it's never going to be perfect. Like, you know, nope. just start it and, and then it'll grow from there. So, and that's, you know. And everything's just an, it's just an evolution. Like you'll, I'm sure you'll look back at one of the first podcasts you've ever done and be like, oh my God, I can't believe that's where I started. Right. But yeah. that's how you evolve and that's how you grow and that's how things start. So I'm sure at some point I'll look back at some of the first designs I ever did and be like, oh my God, what was yeah. I doing? But <laughs> yeah, no. It's all a learning process. Yes. And it's so true, like <laughs> even for people that, you know, can't relate at all to like starting a business or whatever, like it's true in all areas of life, I think. Like we just have to yes, try Yes, 100%. Learn, so do you have a role model that you have? Not necessarily a role model, but I think – are you familiar with the brand Spell from Australia? Maybe. Tell me more about it. So they are – it's a clothing brand. Okay. Um, so not only are their designs just absolutely beautiful, but they have a really strong background on sustainability and creating consciously. And I think just in general, what they create and how they create it is just so inspiring. So I definitely look – up to them and the thing, the business that they've created. And they have such a passionate following of people that love what they're doing. And it's just, it's all so beautiful. So I definitely look to their brand and aspire to be kind of that same realm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I thought I had heard of them. I've seen, I've seen their stuff for a while now. I'm sure you've seen them all over Instagram. (laughs) So pretty. I mean, and 
I will say too, yeah. when I first saw like an ad for one of their clothing items or something, it said like, is it Spell and the Gypsy Collective? Yes. Is that what it is? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I totally thought it was just like, I saw one picture on Pinterest, I think. And I thought that was somebody's name, Spell. <laughs> and I was like, that's such a cool name. I love that. And, and so I've always had that on my list. And I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if you've seen my pictures on Instagram, but we're having a baby. Oh, congrats. And thank you. And I've like thrown that out there as an option. Oh my God. I love name. that. I know my husband thinks it's so weird, but I'm like, I don't know. It's because of this brand. They make it look so cute. I'm like, spell would be so cute. cute Well, it all started because one of the founders, um, her name is Isabel, and her nickname growing up was Spell. So that's, you could just do something like that. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm still going to try to convince her, but (laughs) it's probably going to be a no for now. But yes, I I have totally seen it before. It's so cute. Love it. Awesome. Um, Okay. What about, what would you say is the most impactful book that you've read? I'd have to say there's two of them. The first one is Start Something That Matters by Blake Mikowski. I think that's how you say his last name. Mikowski. He's the founder of Tom's. Okay. So that, I read that kind of like at the beginning of St. May and it was just so, like I always knew I wanted to give back in some way, but the fact, like after reading his book, it was just like, solidified yeah so that was super inspiring and then I'm in the middle of reading the four-hour work week by Tim Ferriss which has also been a game changer I'm all about the educational books so as much as much as I can take in I try and do um but yeah those two have definitely been super impactful for me yeah I didn't know that the Tom Towner wrote a book so that's cool but I've also amazing okay that's good to know but I've definitely heard of Tim Harris before and because does he have multiple books about like yeah he has a bunch of stuff okay yeah that's good to know do you have anything that you've listened to recently that you would recommend to people like podcasts or documentary or anything like that yes so I listen to podcasts all day because I work alone um so they keep me they keep me company um so I'm currently obsessed with the NPR how I built this by Guy Raz all of those podcasts are absolutely amazing and it sounds like it's kind of similar to that the other one that you recommended going scared and it's all about how huge like Burton snowboards or Whole Foods or Warby Parker like he talks to all of the founders of those types of businesses and it's just amazing to kind of hear their story and how they've progressed from the start so those are really cool that's awesome what's been your favorite episode that you've heard so far Ooh, um Probably the Whole Foods one I thought okay. was really interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, I've heard so much about that podcast and I haven't listened to it, but I I would – I really want to. I feel like part of me is like a little bit nervous too because I've been – this is very like vulnerable to say, but I've been like so slow in growing this little business, if that's what you can even call it, that I have because I, I also work like a regular day job on top of this. So it's been a very slow mm-hmm. growth. And I'm like, I feel like if I listen to that, I'll feel like, oh my gosh, look at how far these people have come. Like I haven't done anything. I feel like I'll start to feel bad. <laughs> <for myself. laughs> no, they're, they're super motivating. They're okay. super motivating. Okay. That's good to know because everybody loves them. And I'm like, I really need to give that a chance. Yeah. No, they're all, it's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. All right. Do you have a brand or product that you are really liking lately besides your own, obviously? Um, I'd have to say Kopari. Um, yeah. Any of their – have you heard of them? 
I have heard of them. So they're a coconut oil based like skincare line and everything smells like heaven and it makes your skin feel amazing and they're all natural and they're it's literally like being on a tropical vacation when you put anything Uh on it's amazing that sounds really great what what products do you like specifically from them um I am obsessed with they have like this coconut scrub that you can use in the shower and it's like almost like they're sugar scrubs that it smells like the best thing I've ever smelled ever and it makes your skin feel so soft and then they have I use like a spray I don't know what it's called but it's like a spray oil instead of like a lotion on your body and that smells heavenly oh that sounds really nice okay yeah I've heard good things and they're all natural they're yes they're awesome okay good to know I'm glad I'm glad I asked I wanted to ask you too I know I need to let you go but what is are do you also make jackets is that something you do or yes so that's actually how I kind of got into the wedding industry I when I was still working full-time as a graphic designer I did I started doing like hand-painted leather jackets for brides just as like an outlet creative outlet I was working as like a graphic designer on like a software company and it was just super boring and this was like a great creative outlet. So it kind of spiraled way, way more out of control than I ever expected. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> so I'm still actually doing them again, just kind of for fun. But yeah, they're super fun to do. Um, and they're not always just for brides. Like a lot of people I've had come just to like update a leather jacket that they had that sure. they just wanted something added to it. Um, so yeah, they're super fun to do. Um but yeah, that's kind of how the, my Instagram started. I was doing those and then it just made sense to kind of lump in St. May jewelry because it's, again, in the bridal realm. So it was a similar demographic. Sure. So yeah, we're still doing them. Um, not as much, obviously, as the jewelry right. has kind of started taking over. Um, so we hope to still do them for as long as possible, but we'll see how long we'll see how long they last that's that's so cool I've seen them and I'm like these jackets are awesome they're they're so cool so yeah they're fun do you like um sell the jackets or is it like people send you their jackets that they already have we do both so it's mostly we provide the jackets for Uh people um and they're all like faux leather but they're amazing quality but yeah some people have sent in just jackets that they have had which kind of like the stones just is a little bit more beneficial cost-wise, but uh, yeah, it just depends if they have a jacket or not. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, well, maybe before you stop selling those, that's what I should get. Since <laughs> my husband's not going to get me a diamond ring anytime. So there you go. Maybe I'll get a jacket. <laughs> They're so cool. Thanks. That's awesome. We'll make sure to post links to all of, all of those things. All the things. How can people get in touch with you? I mean, your Instagram, obviously, they have to follow because it's gorgeous, but um, how else would you like people to get in touch with you and share your handle too? So our Instagram is St. May underscore by derive. And then our website is shop St. May M A E.com. Okay. Awesome. That's so cool. And if they are thinking about some kind of custom design, they can just message you and that's how it gets started. Yeah. You can either shoot us a message on Instagram and we can get in touch or we have um, like a contact form on our website that you can fill out. So we get a little bit more understanding of kind of what you're after. And then that usually turns into a video consultation just to kind of talk through everything. But yeah, we can either message us on Instagram or go through our website. Very cool. That's so awesome. 
Well, Carly, thank you so much for your time today. I had such a blast chatting with you and I learned a lot and I think I'm sure everybody else listening did too. And I just think what you're doing is so, so awesome. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yes, it was a blast. So who is ready to take a trip to Australia with me to go visit Carly? Don't you just want her to be your new best friend? I won't be getting there anytime soon considering I'm nine months pregnant, but I so wish I could. I'm adding it to my bucket list to make sure to visit the shop that she's going to create in California someday. I wish she could be my travel buddy and my design consultant, and if you've looked at her Instagram page, you know exactly what I'm talking about because her style is gorgeous. That is true for the rings that she designs. They are simply jaw-dropping, and also the leather jackets are seriously amazing. Do yourself a favor and check them out. Put it on your wish list, okay? I love this conversation with Carly because I learned so much about how diamonds can be such a problem in our world. I thought the statistics about child labor and the devastation to our planet were shocking. Carly shared that nearly half of the workers who are mining these diamonds are between ages 5 and 16, okay? 5 and 16? I was 16 when I got my first job. Can you imagine being 5 or 6 years old and doing this dangerous work? That means these kids are also missing out on an education and an opportunity for a better life in the future. I also was so shocked to hear that one tiny carat of a diamond requires almost 2,000 tons of extracted earth. That is a lot of harm to our planet just to get one tiny little stone. But I was also so encouraged to hear all the solutions there are. Like I said, there are so many great solutions that she is implementing in her business. And the best part is that they're even more cost effective than getting a regular diamond. Why would you not be on board for that? That is so awesome. I love the meaning behind the vintage stones, but also the alternative options they have are amazing. The next time you have a friend that's getting engaged or purchasing a piece of jewelry, please make sure you recommend St. May to them. I love how personal the business is, the fact that Carly does a video consultation with you so that she can get to meet you and learn about your style preferences. It sounds like such an amazing experience. I also just felt like Carly and I were totally destined to chat. I love getting to talk with her about the whole diamonds from ashes thing when it comes to the lab-grown diamonds. It felt like we were totally mind-melding there and I loved it. I'm so inspired by this girl. I love her passion for doing it right. I love her drive with starting this new business and I love seeing how quickly it's grown. It's seriously amazing. Please make sure you do go give her some love. Follow us both on Instagram. Let us know what you thought of the episode by leaving a rating or a review. And do make sure you subscribe while you're over there too. Like I said, I released an announcement recently, and that is that the episodes are now going to be releasing on a monthly basis. If you didn't pick that up already, they're going to be releasing on the last Thursday of the month every month. I explain it more in my Instagram post, but I'm working on scaling back a little bit just as I prepare to bring a human into this world. I'm officially on the watch list for this baby coming. I'm at nine months, and I just barely have three weeks to go. So if you want to hear updates on that, do make sure you're following me on the gram, but also please do make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you can get all the latest episodes straight to your downloads. I've been batch working a lot lately and I have tons of good stuff coming. I've been doing a lot of interviews and I can't wait to share them all with you. Next month in April, I'm going to be releasing my conversation with my new friend, Sadia. You may have seen her before at Beyond Vegans on Instagram, but we are going to be talking about a plant-based lifestyle. And I know a lot of you have things that pop into your mind when I say that, but 
She is going to change your mind. She's going to address a lot of misconceptions. And even if you aren't convinced that you should be a vegan afterwards, you're still going to learn a lot about health and wellness. So I'm pumped to share that conversation with you. If you're subscribed, you definitely won't miss it, but it's releasing next month. So until next time, make sure you're following to get all the latest updates. And please do go check out the St. May Instagram page and look at all of Carly's beautiful design skills. Share this conversation with a friend. Think consciously about how you can vote with your dollar and make a difference through your purchases and keep seeking to get enlightened. Peace out. I try, but I can't sleep at-